This is an oral history of the Lord's move in Plainview, Texas in the early 1960s. It's a story of what can happen when a small group of students love Christ and His church and give their lives to God's purpose in a practical way. The following is a personal testimony from James Barber, one of Witness Lee's earliest co-workers in the United States. The next several episodes will be his first-hand account of what the Lord did among them in Plainview in those early days. Originally spoken to the church in Oklahoma City as a history of the Lord's recovery. In 1962, as I mentioned, Brother Lee came to this country then and they had the first conference in December of 1962. So he, Brother Samuel Chang and some others, began to pray during the month of December. This is quite crucial. During the month of December in 62, they began to pray for the Lord to stir up the seeking ones in this country. And it was in this month, December of 1962, that the Lord opened our eyes for the first time. And we know it was because of their prayers. He opened our eyes to what? To see Christ as our life. The president of the school had invited a man by the name of Major Ian Thomas. Maybe some of you have heard of him. There's some books by him on the matter of life. He had a quite a prevailing ministry and a kind of a spiritual uh, ministry. A man from England who he did see definitely something of Christ's life. He clearly saw something of Christ's life. And he came to what was called at that time our campus revival. And I, being the director of all this kind of stuff, you know, got to know him and meet him and take him around, etc. We didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't have any idea, but all of us were there. Benson was there. Elton Carr was there. Myself, Ben Mike Pearson, Ray Gray. Well, yes, Ray Graver. No, Ray came the next year. Ray didn't get in on this. And uh, quite a number of the brothers, we were all there. They were students. And I was there just, you know, quite young in this job. So this man comes. We, we didn't consider ourselves seeking ones. But after this man came, we became seeking ones. I'd been a Christian for 20 years. To be a Christian wasn't new to me. To look at the Bible wasn't new to me. I, and to lead other peoples to the Lord and things like this, which I had heard all my life, was the highest thing you could do was to lead another person to Christ. Well, that is a marvelous thing. But it's not the highest thing you can do. <laughs> anyway, here I was. I had this so-called job with a so-called position. And working with these students, which I recognized, even in my young, at my young age, I realized these were an unusual group of college students. <laughs> I think now even more, I look back, my, it was really an unusual group of students. The Lord put us all together in a little campus of 600 students. Small. Very small. Well, this man began to speak. Major Ian Thomas, he came for our campus revival, December 1962. I didn't know till later, of course, there were a lot of prayer. Not for us directly, but indirectly. And he began to share how that the Christian life is Jesus Christ. I had never heard this. It's really quite simple. It's in the Bible. 
But you know, when you're raised in that kind of environment, you think the Christian life is what you do. You think the Christian life is uh, your life. You trying to behave properly. Whereas before, you didn't behave that way. Now you try to live a good Christian life. Read your Bible, pray, lead other people to the Lord. You live it. But he made it clear from the word, the Christian life is Christ. If it's not Christ, it's not the Christian life. What is a Christian? It's a Christian. It's a person in whom Christ lives. Well, you know, like I said, I'd been a Christian for 20 years in this fundamental denomination. I had never seen. I'd heard it. I'd even seen the verses. I'd read the verses. I'd heard messages on it. But I'd never seen. I'd never had the revelation that Christ lived in me. Jesus Christ himself lived in me. You know, there are people that will argue with you about this very point right now. Christians. But 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Know ye not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ lives in you? Don't you know that Jesus Christ lives in you? Well, while he was sharing, you know, for those few days, the whole New Testament just began to open up. I mean, verse after verse after verse, I began to realize he's right. Because he used the word and he said the Christian life is Christ living his life in you and through you. Romans 5.10 Having been reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more we shall be saved by his life. Romans 5.10 Well, I do believe this was the most anointed time he ever shared in his life. I really believe it was. Everything was set up, and he was used by the Lord, because we saw that the Christian life was Christ. And I remember coming home and telling my wife, and telling her, if he is right, if the Christian life is Jesus Christ, if the Christian life is really Christ himself, I said, then Southern Baptists are finished. All this organization, how can you have it? I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't even know what I was doing. But I said, if this is true, and I knew it was true, the, the Word said it was true. That the Christian life is not me trying to behave. He even said, he said, all that God has ever expected of you in living the Christian life is failure. I'll never forget that statement. Because I knew God got exactly what he expected. <laughs> he said, all that God ever expected from you in living the Christian life is failure. How can you live the Sermon on the Mount? How can you live that? Somebody come up and hits you on one cheek. You're just going to turn the other cheek, aren't you? No, you're going <laughs> to. Unless you've got another life. No man can live what is exemplified there in that so-called Sermon on the Mount, except one, Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> said, God never expected you to live it. Well, I had, like I say, I'd been a Christian since I was eight years old, and I was close to 28 at that time. 27, something like that. And the Lord, I just felt a big weight. All of, all of my striving to try to live the Christian life. 
I realized I didn't have to try to live the Christian life. That Jesus Christ was in me. To live that life in me. Of course, the only problem with Thomas was that he could paint a beautiful picture. Or he could show you a beautiful building, but no door to get in. He just ended up by saying, it was is by faith. You live by an attitude of faith that Christ in you would live through you. Well, it wasn't bad, and I did touch something through it, no doubt. But I didn't learn, of course, until I came into the recovery, much more about my spirit and how to exercise my spirit, to contact Christ in my spirit. But anyway, the revelation came, Jesus lives in me. Amen. Jesus. The living Jesus, the person who walked on the earth. For 33 and a half years, the very same one who went to the cross now lives in me. Amen. Sorry to say 90%, 99% maybe, of all Christians don't see this. They only have an objective Savior who came down and died on the cross for their sins. Now he's gone back up to heaven. And now since you take him as your objective Savior, you are saved. You will not go to hell. Someday you will go to be with him. That's all right, but very shallow. There's much more than that. He just didn't come as an objective Savior to save us from our sins. He came to be our life. Amen. No doubt He had to die for our sins because we are fallen and sinful. And a holy God cannot come into a sinful man. So He had to shed His blood to cleanse us from our sins in order that He might come into us to be our life. That's why he said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have forgiveness of sins. That's what we see. Our mind says that, but he said, I am come that they might have life. My life. He means my life. You might have it more abundantly. Anyway, of course, this is all we talk about in the meetings. I don't need to go on in this point. Christ is our life. I saw it. I saw it. I tell you, I couldn't say I didn't see it. Just by this one man coming to this campus. And not only I, I saw it, Benson saw it. You know, Elton Carr saw it. Some others saw it. And I, I had the book, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. I already had the book. And I tried to read it. And uh, I knew he had something there. I knew that it's deep, but I just couldn't get it. But while Thomas was there at Wayland, I kind of realized, that's what Watchman Nee was talking about. That's what he was talking about. I just couldn't get through until this revelation came. Then I went back to the normal Christian life and devoured it. Because the light was there. The light was there. Because I went through, after Thomas came and left, I went through my New Testament and underlined every verse that had Christ in you. Or the Spirit in you. Or God in you. In you. In you. In you. And I marked up my whole Bible. Because that's what the whole Bible is talking about. Is God wants to get in us. In you. In you. In you. Jesus Christ is in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. My, so then I became a seeker. <laughs> if I wasn't a seeker, I became a seeker. Their prayers made us a seeker, I believe. I became a seeker. Okay. 
Now, at right at the end of the time that Thomas was there, Major Ian Thomas, I do believe he had some experience. I really believe he did. He did see this matter of Christ as our life, but he didn't see the church. So, in his very last meeting, he said, if six of you here, if six out of all of this group see what I'm talking about, I will be satisfied. Well, actually, more than six saw more than he saw. <laughs> Do you know what he would say? He says, now go back into your denominations and take this life. Take this life of Christ that you now have come to see, learning to live his life. Now take this back. Take the life back into all your different denominations. Because although it was a Baptist school, there were many different denominations there. Well, I tried. Yeah. I tried just like the Lord Jesus said. It won't work. You can't put new wine in old wine skin. But we tried. And of course, as the uh, so-called director was in charge of sending out teams, you see, churches would call in, send us a youth revival team for the weekend. So, you know, after this... So we began to do some things like that. And everywhere I went, I began to share what I saw through Thomas. And I was invited to be the Religious Emphasis Week speaker at Wichita, University in Wichita, Kansas, at the BSU. The BSU just had their own. And all I shared was everything of Major Thomas. And that I had gotten, plus Watchman Nee, plus everything else mingled in together. And the students loved it. This was the thing. Everywhere you went and shared this, that the Christian life is Christ in you. Not you, but Christ in you. The people loved it, but the hired ones didn't like it. You know why? It was a threat. You know, if the Christian life is Christ, how can you be hired? Sorry, I don't want to offend anybody. But I can tell you, you'll meet the Lord Jesus one day. How can you be hired to serve him? Find that in the Bible. I am mad because of the system that has ruined so many people. The people loved it, but the hired ones didn't like it. And so, you know, I had always been the fair-haired boy of the denomination until this time. Now, the bad reports begin to come in. And we'd send out youth revival teams. I remember Ben McPherson, he would go out to speak. I'd send him out. He was just about 19 or so. And Rodney Phillips and some of the others would go out with him. By this time, Benson was there that year, that one year Thomas was there. Then he left. And, of course, right after he was there... Right after Thomas left, I went back to watch Manee, of course, like I said, read the normal Christian life five times in that one year from 62 to 63. And every time I read it, I would underline it until after the fifth time, the whole book was underlined. So, I mean, at first, Major Thomas was my man because it was through him I saw Christ as my life. 
But gradually, watch my knee begin to replace Major Thomas. And after reading the normal Christian life again and again, I begin to realize this man, this man sees it. He sees more than anybody. And I ordered just about every book Christian literature crusade put out concerning Christ in you or the indwelling spirit. Because they were the only publishing company that put out these kind of books. And, of course, they had put out the normal Christian life. So I read a lot of books. I even got criticized. One of the professors said all he did was sit in his office and read books anyway. That was after I left. Anyway. But we were still trying to go on. My concept then, this is what Southern Baptists need. They need life. They need life. We need to give them life. There's no doubt that's what they need. But the problem is, you can't put new wine in an old wine skin. You can't put Christ as life in an organized system. It won't work. It'll burst the thing wide open. You've got to put new wine in the new wine skin. Well, we begin to have trouble. I never had trouble before. But we begin to have trouble and problems. And all of those ones, out of all of those that heard Major Thomas, there were about 30 coming by my office. And I had the college bookstore order, the normal Christian life, sit, walk, stand. What shall this man do? These are only three books that were out by Watchman at that time. And they were down there in the college bookstore. And I had all of these students, Vincent, Ben, Elton, all of them go down. They all had these books. They were reading during this year. And some others may have picked it up. I don't know. But there were about 30 at this time students that were interested in this matter. And as far as I'm concerned, we could have thrown the whole BSU program out. But since I was hired at that time... <laughs> To carry out such a program. Since I was hired to do it, I felt, according to my conscience, I should do it. I did carry out the program. But in that program, <laughs> we put Christ as life as much as we could. Well, trouble came more and more. Just to the north of us is a place called Canyon, Texas, where Linnell went to school at the West Texas State. And there, the BSU director began to call us the barbarians. He called, I mean, we began it because we were emphasizing something other than the BSU program. So we were the barbarians. Uh, and it came to the point in the summer of 1963, after Thomas was there, December of 62, right away we were into 63. So January, the rest of the year in 63, this is all we were doing. Then in the summer of 63, some of you may know it, you may not know it, there's a place called Glorieta, Baptist Encampment in New Mexico. There I was called on the carpet. And I was told by my boss, who was not, actually I had a pretty free reign. It was amazing. I was only responsible to the president. And the president was going to resign. He didn't care what I did. So I was responsible to nobody. My boss was in Dallas, Texas, which is a long way off. So I had a pretty free reign. It was all sovereign of the Lord. But then my boss from Dallas called me on the carpet at Glorietta. And with all of his men, they were all there. And they wanted to tell me, they were all lined up, and they wanted to tell me they did not agree with my philosophy of a BSU program on a Baptist campus. I said, oh, 
I didn't even know what a philosophy was. I didn't even know what he's talking about. I just wanted to enjoy the Lord. <laughs> anyway, I saw, well, this is not going to be able to go on. I began to get really frustrated. Lord, what, can, what am I going to do? What can I do? They don't want this Christ is life. They don't want it. And, of course, you know, I was invited to speak to a lot of churches at least once. <laughs> I had been a lot of time before that, and I'd go again. I'd preach Christ is life. Hallelujah. But, I say, the people loved it. They came up and said, where did you get that? We never heard that. But when the word would get back to the pastor, otherwise, then he would write, my boss in Dallas, saying, we don't need these kind of experiments within the framework of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's the very letter, one letter. And he was right. <laughs> he was right. So, I was called on the carpet. I realized this, we were coming into now the fall of 1963. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I was still, they didn't fire me. I have to say, the man who was my boss was a very good Christian man. He was not a person to just whack you off. He didn't agree, but he didn't either just take you out. He would, you know, leave you to see. Of course, eventually, I think he realized I couldn't stay. Something would happen eventually. So, after they called me on the carpet, we came back to the fall. And that's when Gary Gilbert came as a freshman in the fall of 1963. Right, Gary? Right? And we had a, what we call a preschool retreat. And Gary came to that. And, of course, we had... A, we had some guys there who were really uh, good in the Word, in the matter of the Word. And we also had the assistant director of the state BSU there to check up on us, who had been my BSU director at Texas Tech. Anyway, he came and he was appalled by that preschool retreat. But Gary loved it. I remember this young freshman, he came, he just, this is great. But to this guy, he said, this is terrible. When was the time for your planning? or your BSU program for the year and all of this. All we had was just a time how to touch the Lord, how to, we didn't have the word enjoy, but how to get to know the Lord and stuff. This, this is all we covered in this free food retreat. Well, they didn't like that. That's the system for it. Anyway, so we're coming now into the fall of 63, and I just thought, Lord, I just thought, well, I'm just going to have to quit this job. That's all. I had read all the books. I'd read all the Watchmen Me. I knew this was the word. But what are you going to do with Christ's life when people won't want it? I knew it was right that Jesus Christ is the Christian life. Why else would Paul say in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. Why else? Of course, everybody knows Galatians 2.20. They quote it, but they don't know what they quote. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Well, you have to realize, if Jesus Christ is the Christian life, you can't organize that. That is not an organization. That can only fit in an organism, which is his body. Life only fits in something living. You can't put life in something dead. This chair here is organized. No doubt about it. It's organized, but it's dead. You can't organize something living. Especially, you can't organize Jesus Christ. Amen. He will burst out.
next time on Plainview. And he called me and he said, there is a co-worker of Watchman Me speaking here in Tyler. This was on a Saturday night, November the 8th. <laughs> 1963. It was a Friday night, excuse me, a Friday night, November the 8th, because I went the next day on Saturday. He called me and said, you've got to come. That's all he had to say. When he said, a co-worker of Watchman Nee, I knew I had to hear him. So I flew the next morning, borrowed the money, drove as fast as I could to Lubbock, caught a plane and flew from Lubbock to Tyler and got there just in time for the first meeting.